Heavenly Father, oh, what joy is brought to our heart when we think of the day we shall see our Savior face to face. And we will dwell in your presence for all of eternity. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time of sharing we've had. We pray for all these requests, Father, that have been shared. We bring them to thy throne right now and pray that you would uh, bring healing, restoration, Father, bring encouragement. And, Father, uh, we know that you do all things well so we can trust you. And sometimes your plan is different than what we hope it would be. But, Lord, we know it's ultimately for our good. So, Father, answer prayer for each one of these requests, Lord, according to your perfect will. And now bless our time in the word, we pray. We'll give you all the thanks as we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you will take your Bibles, let's turn to the book of First Peter tonight. First Peter, we continue our series in this marvelous book, and we've reached chapter 5. So we are getting close to the end of our study in this tremendous letter that the Apostle Peter wrote to the churches that were scattered over the empire, and many of the churches and Christians were suffering persecution, fiery ordeals, and so he's tried to encourage them. But now in chapter 5, <clears throat> Peter is uh, going to address, because he's, remember, he's speaking to a specific church, uh, uh, he's speaking to Christians, but also to churches. And for those churches that are suffering, going through persecution, he now has a word to, of exhortation to the leadership of the churches scattered abroad. And that would be the elders of the churches. And so we come here to this, uh, this section here. And we're going to look just tonight at the first four verses. And it concerns uh, the role of elders in the church and why it is so important that they fulfill the roles that God has given them. Now, I know for some of you here, most of you here, we have some that used to be elders and are no longer elders. We have some that are elders now. But um, so some of you may think, Oh, well, this is, I can go to sleep now since it's, it's going to be about elders. But I think that we can actually, uh, each one of us can take some practical truths and lessons from this, uh, whether ladies, men, whoever we are, whatever age, I think we can apply some of this to ourselves, and you'll see why in a moment. But look at verse 1, he says, Again, he had just finished talking about suffering, the the Christian suffering according to the will of God. So because of the suffering saints in the church, okay, so these are hurting people in the church, he now is going to speak to the leadership. Verse 1, 1 Peter 5. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder And witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be 
revealed. So here he begins by saying, I exhort the elders among you. So he's talking to the churches and he's saying, this is for you elders who are out there. And notice he says, I exhort the elders among you. And then he gives his own personal position and explains to them that he, Peter, has been an elder all this time. And so he is the one that can exhort them because he's been a, a, an elder himself in that as the church was founded. And so what does he say here? Notice he says, as your fellow elder. Notice he doesn't say, as your apostle. You know, he doesn't come out and throw his apostleship out there and say, now you listen to me, you elders. No, he's coming to them gently saying, elders of the church, I'm on the same level you are on. That we are all serving the Lord together. And I'm a fellow elder, but I'm also not just a fellow elder, but I am a witness of the sufferings of Christ. uh, Peter was a uh, firsthand witness of the sufferings of the Lord Jesus. Now we know that Peter denied Christ and ran away. And perhaps some say, well, he probably was not at the cross. We don't know that for sure if he was at a distance watching uh, Jesus uh, being crucified. But he, he was in the garden. Remember, he was in the garden with the Lord. And so he saw the suffering of the Lord Jesus there. So he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. But then he says to them, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. He's now saying, but I, because I'm an elder, I know that, and a witness for the sufferings of Christ, that I am also a partaker of something yet to come. And that is when Jesus returns in all his glory and he's going to return. And at that time, uh, the glory is going to be revealed, but he's going to be a partaker of the glory. Each one of us as believers are going to be partakers of the glory of Christ Jesus when he comes. Because remember, we are going to be glorified when we are raised from the dead and our soul has a new body a new resurrected body, we will be ultimately completely glorified and we will be glorified through the glory of Christ. And therefore, we are partakers of his glory. And so, but I, what I want to do before we go to the next few verses, what he is going to say to the elders, I think it's important that we go look at a few passages that give us an understanding of the requirements and qualifications of what God asked of elders. So uh, there are two particular passages in, uh, that we want to look at. First Timothy chapter 3. So if you'll go with me to First Timothy, and we'll go over to First Timothy chapter 3 <clears throat> and verse 1. First Timothy 3 verse 1. Remember, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, who is a young pastor, a young elder. And so 
And, and Timothy is going to be one who is going to be asked to choose elders for the church. And so uh, we'll see that a little later. But here Paul says to Timothy, verse 1, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Now remember, aspiring, if a man wants to aspire to be an elder, that's a great desire to have. But it does not mean that everyone who aspires to be an elder or would, lo- would like to be an elder uh, means that they should be an elder. Because being an elder of a church is, is a calling from God, calling from the Lord. There are three... <clears throat> There are three words used in our English language to describe an elder in, uh, in, the, in the New Testament here. One is, of course, we've got the word elder. But then it's also uh, the word bishop. It also is, is an, the English word bishop. They're interchangeable. Bishop, elder, and then the last one is an overseer. An overseer, which all these mean basically that, an overseer of the church, an elder, bishop, overseer. But then there's also the position, uh, the ministry, I should say, of uh, an elder, certain elders who were called pastors. They were shepherds. And basically all elders are in taking a role of shepherds over God's sheep. We're going to see that as well. But here, look what he says then, verse 2. And here we have the, the word used overseer. An overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectful, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, or pugnacious, course you know pugnacious means that ready for a fight all the time but gentle uncontentious free from the love of money he must be one who manages his own household well keeping his children under control with all dignity and this next uh uh, passage here verse five it is in some manuscripts and others it is not but it says but if a man does not know how to manage his own household how will he take care of the church of god notice it's in parentheses and verse six and he should not be a new convert lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church. Okay, so he's talking about unbelievers who know him. Must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he may not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Wow. When I read this and, and the Lord has put me in a position to be an elder, an overseer at Jonestown Bible Church. When I, when, when I read these qualifications, I just say, Lord, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve to, to be an elder. 
because you, we can all, all every one who's ever been in that position called to be an elder has felt unworthy or should have felt unworthy that these are qualifications that, that it doesn't mean that we, we uh, do them all perfectly. But, but basically, he is giving the, he, he is saying, these are the people, Paul is saying, this is what the, the shepherds over the flock of Jesus Christ should be in character. And then we go to Titus. So let's go over to the book of Titus, okay? So if you're, you're in 1 Timothy, Titus is the next book after 2 Timothy. So if you're looking for it. So go to, go to 2 Timothy, and then we come to the book of Titus. Titus 1, and we'll uh, pick it up at verse 5, because I want you to see what uh, <clears throat> Paul, again, wrote this letter, and he wrote it to Titus, who, again, was a leader in the church. And he writes in verse 5, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains, the new church, and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man be above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer, verse 7, must be above reproach as God's steward. Key word is steward right there. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain. But here's some positives he should have. But hospitable, loving what is good. Sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. And in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. Do you see what the, what the, the role of an elder is? And this is what God has called elders to do. And so... As we get, I want you to have this as a background to understand as Peter is going to now uh, speak about the role that he sees. You know, these have been shared, but he, he wants to uh, bring out particular points. So if you go back now with me to 1 Peter, let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. If we go back there. And now he makes this exhortation in verse 2. So if you look at verse 2 with me. Peter writes, Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain. Again, that's what Paul said. But with eagerness. So we'll stop there right now. So what does he tell them? He tells them that the basic exhortation is, this is what you need to do. You've got suffering saints. You've got suffering sheep in your congregations. What you need to do is to shepherd them. 
Shepherd them like a shepherd takes care of his sheep. And what kind of shepherd? Basically, he's saying, are you being the shepherd God wants you to be and has called you to be? It is, it is so um, uh, humbling just to think about uh, what the responsibility that God has placed upon elders in the church. And those who are overseers and supposed to be shepherds. And as we consider what Peter's saying here, he's, he's, he, he is specifying certain things when the elder is supposed to shepherd the flock of God. First of all, he says, you're exercise, I, when you're exercising oversight, being an overseer, do it not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. In other words, Peter is saying, elder, it's all about your attitude. We as elders, whoever has been placed in that position of leadership in a church, we must have a heart of joy in doing the ministry in taking care of the sheep that we have to have a love for the sheep and we have to be, do it willingly, understanding that God has, has ordained us to, to do this, that we have been chosen by God to fulfill these roles. That's why he uses the, the phrase, according to the will of God. In other words, any leader is supposed to, uh, we should be doing it uh, not under compulsion, oh, do I have to? Or, man, I really don't like being an elder. Man, I didn't realize that, that this came with the, the job. And you start, you know, all the problems and other things and situations and relationships you've got to deal with. And so it, it's, it can be easy to say, uh, uh, man, I, okay, I'll do it because nobody else will do it. But no, Peter is saying, I want you to do it voluntarily because you know that you've been chosen and set apart by the will of God. And then he says, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. In other words, being eager to minister to the flock. Eager to minister to, to the flock of Jesus Christ. And that goes not just for elders, but I think it goes for every single one of us who is a child of God, that as we, as the body of Christ, do you remember what Paul talked about? We as the body, there, there are different members that make up the body of Christ. There's the hand and the foot. And the hand should not say to the foot, I have no need of you. But we should be working together and using our, the spiritual gifts we have to build one another up, to help meet each other's needs. It's not just the responsibility of the overseers of a church or elders, but it's the whole body of Christ. And that's what's so beautiful for me as a pastor to watch and see each of you ministering to others in our congregation, in the church family, lifting them up, building, sending a card if they're sick. You know, so I, 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 uh, again, I, I can't, tell you how much the cards that have been sent from Jonestown Bible Church have meant to my brother Bevan. 
he continues to talk about it. He says, I got another card from someone in your church to encourage me in my battle with cancer. And so this, this is the, uh, the most beautiful thing, that when we are willing to, to come together and help one another and do it willingly and doing it with eagerness to help uh, one another. But I want us to see this because Peter, he is, uh, he calls himself an elder, right? He's a fellow elder. But I want us to look quickly at when he officially became an elder. And so if you'll turn with me to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Gospel of John 21. This is after the Lord Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and he met with his disciples along the sea there. And he met with them. He had breakfast waiting for them. But then he pulled, and all of you know the story very well. He pulls Peter aside. Now remember, up to this point, all Peter was doing was fishing. Because he figured, God's done with me. I denied the Lord Jesus Christ three times. I'm no good. God can't use me. I might as well just go back to fishing. And that's what he was doing. What Peter needed was restoration. He needed to be restored by the Lord Jesus and know that God isn't finished with him. Though he may have made a mess of it, though he, re- he denied his Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus, Jesus still loves him and still wants to use him. And look at this. Hear what he says. Verse 15. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, or son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Question. Now, it's been debated as to what Jesus meant by these, quote these. Do you love me more than these? Jesus could have been referring to the fish that they were pulling in in the nets. Do you love me more than than going fishing and making money? Do you love me more than, than your old job? Or the other thought is that Jesus was speaking of the other disciples that were there. Do you love me more than these other disciples love me? We're not sure exactly which one it is, but... But basically, Jesus is trying to say, how much do you love me, Peter? And he said to him, verse 15, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But really, that term, we know that in the Greek here, Jesus is using the word agape when he says, Peter, do you agape me? It's the the kind of unconditional love that sent Jesus to the cross. And so Jesus says, do you love me with that kind of love? But then Peter said, Peter was too scared to say yes. He wasn't going to lie. He was going to try and pretend because he felt, I don't know if I really love you that much, Lord. So I like you as a brother. So he uses the word, the Greek word phileo, okay, which is where we get the word Philadelphia, brotherly love. And so, so he's saying, I love you like a brother, Lord. Okay, 
And then verse 16, oh, no, I'm sorry. He, after he says that, Jesus doesn't say, well, listen, if you don't agape me, Peter, okay, I'm done with you. You know, you don't have enough love for me. Uh, you, you can keep, keep on fishing. No, Jesus was persistent. What did he say? He said, tend my lambs. Tend to my lambs. Here is the first, uh, uh, I, I believe, instance where we see Peter is being restored in his faith and service. That Jesus is looking at Peter and basically he's saying to him, Peter, I want you to be one of my under shepherds. I want you to be one of my elders, my overseers of my flock, my sheep. I want you to tend to them. And so this is where he truly becomes an elder because Jesus specifically asks him to be an elder, to tend my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Again, agape. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, here's phileo. He can't say agape. But what does Jesus say to him? He said to him, shepherd my sheep. Do you see that? Shepherd my sheep. And that is exactly what any elder that has ever been placed in a position over the, the flock of God in, in a church, that has been the, uh, the calling. It is a call of God, just like it was a call on Peter's heart and life. To be a shepherd, I want you to shepherd my sheep. In other words, Peter, I have work for you to do, but I want you to love my sheep. I want you to feed them, tend to them. And then the final one, verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it's interesting here when Jesus uses the word love me, Jesus now switches over to the word phileo. And Jesus says, okay, we'll put agape aside, Peter. Do you really phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. And again, Peter uses phileo. He, he doesn't dare go with the word agape because he doesn't know if he could lay down his life for Christ. You know that I love you. And Jesus finishes up with this. He said to him, tend my sheep, tend my sheep. Three times. Here is where Peter was restored. And whether you have been an elder or another uh, position in the church or you've been a helper, whatever ministry God has given to each one of you, it's maybe the ministry of encouragement, the ministry of, of prayer. You've been, you're a prayer warrior. You're praying for others. Whatever it is, you have been called by God to do just that. That you, your calling... Each one of you, you're calling to whatever the Lord has given you to do in any kind of ministry and serving the church and serving the flock of God is a calling by God. 
not just elders or deacons or, you know, uh, pastors or leaders in, in positions, higher positions, but everybody in the church is being called by the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I want you to take care of my sheep. In other words, reach out and love the flock, love one another and take care of each other. So I wanted us to see this, but I wanted to see uh, one, one other passage of scripture here that uh, was, w- when I look at this, um, it is uh, uh, Acts, uh, I'm sorry, Ezekiel 34. If you'll turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 34, I want you to see this in the Old Testament here, a specific word the Lord gave to Ezekiel. Okay, so find Ezekiel chapter 34, and then we will pick it up at verse 1. Ezekiel 34, verse 1. Now, remember, this is the time when Israel had their overseers. They had their leaders, their spiritual leaders, you know, their uh, these, these were the, the head of each tribe of Israel and, and, each, and, and the kingdom. And these were, uh, again, these were all the, um, the high priests, those in the temple. But there was idolatry throughout the land. And so, basically, God is going to call out the shepherds of Israel here. Okay. And this... When I read this, this really um, grips me as, as a pastor because I know what God is requiring of me. What God is asking of me as an, as an elder, as an overseer, as a pastor, as a shepherd of his sheep. Look what he says. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man... Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, You have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. And we're going to see this in just a moment when we go back to 1 Peter. That Peter mentions this. About dominating over the sheep as a a shepherd. Verse 5. And they were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for every beast of the field and were scattered. My flock wandered through all the mountains and on every hill, high hill, and my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth, and there was no one to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, 
Hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my flock has become prey, my flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. And my shepherds did not search for my flock, but rather the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, And this is so sobering to me. God says, I am against the shepherds. And I shall demand my sheep from them. And make them cease from feeding sheep. So the shepherds will not feed themselves anymore. But I shall deliver my flock from their mouth. That they may not be food for them. Here we see this this incredible passage where the Lord is calling out the shepherds of Israel. And I think of it in, in the age of grace, as we, hear, we are under the, in the church age, and God is looking out over his churches. You know what he's looking at? He's looking at the shepherds. And he is wondering, what is happening to my sheep because of my shepherds that have been unfaithful in tending to my lambs, in feeding my sheep, as he said to Peter. And oh, how I look in the mirror and I say, Lord, I am so sorry. I confess my failures as an elder, as a pastor, because I have many, many times I failed the sheep here. I try and meet this, the, the, the needs of the flock as best I can, but, but many times uh, something else comes up or maybe I'm too busy and I get overwhelmed and, and, or I forget, forget to t- take care of this one sheep over here or there's a lost sheep that, that is hurting and they need a shepherd to come and mend their wounds. I pray that the Lord would uh, give me the wisdom, understanding, and the love to continue to see the sheep that are hurting. And I ask for your prayers for me as, as a shepherd here, along with pr- your prayers for the other elders, the other overseers who are shepherds, that as we look over the flock here, that we might not fail the Lord in what he's called us to do, that he might not say as he did to these shepherds who were all, all they cared about was themselves and, 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 and their own flesh and doing it for their own, own pleasure. And they loved being somebody, being a position where they are noticed. And God says, I am against you. What a sad picture. So Peter is trying to encourage the elders and let's close by going back to 1 Peter 5 again, if you will with me. Peter's trying to encourage them. You've been called according to the will of God. Shepherd the flock. Don't do it on, under a, a feeling of compulsion. Don't do it at the end of verse 2 for sword, sordid gain. But with eagerness, sordid gain. How many times have you, you sensed that someone is in the ministry for the money? And we've all seen it. And it's sad. Because some people will enter the ministry uh, 
as pastors, as teachers, all because, and only God knows their heart. But by, by what they talk about, the way they live, and, and how they spend and everything else, it, they, they can all, you can almost see that, that they're all about money. But he's saying, don't do it for money, elders. Do not do the ministry of ten, tending my flock for, 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 for money, monetary gain. Verse 3, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. There's that same thing that God said to Ezekiel, you know, dominating them. Don't lord it over them. In other words, don't look down on the sheep and be a dictator and say, you, you uh, well, and, and then uh, a pastor or an elder walks around like, like you know, he, like with a puffed out chest and, uh, and lording it over the sheep. But we must, we are sheep as well as, as elders, but not lording it over. But this part is so important. Those allotted to your charge, those allotted. That word allotted refers to something that is given to you in stewardship. And that speaks of God allotting certain sheep to certain shepherds in his, in his church. And so the Lord has given the sheep here at this church to the, uh, for the elders here in Jonestown Bible Church to oversee and watch and care for them. And God counted how many. God didn't make us a mega church. There are those who have the big churches, and they've got a lot of sheep to care for. But we praise the Lord that what we have is what God has allotted us to take care of. And I thank the Lord for every single one of you sheep that the Lord has given me and the elders to love, to tend, to care for, and to feed the word of God, to feed you the word of God. But proving, and diversity, but proving to be examples to the flock. Oh, that we are, might be the examples that, that uh, are to the sheep. Examples, and again, we fall short so many times. I know I do. But then he encourages them with this, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus Christ, you, shepherd, elder, overseer, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. A reward is coming. A reward is coming. You and I, my friends, God has given you, allotted you something in your life, each one of you. It may be your grandchildren today. It, you're taking care of your grandchildren. That was allotted to you as a grandparent to love them, to nurture them, to care for them, just like a, a pastor would over the sheep, an elder would over the, the flock of God, whatever it is. It may be uh, uh, someone in, in your life that, that is in need, someone in your family, a parent, a grandparent, someone elderly, or someone is in need of your help and you've been trying to help them. That is the allotment God has given to you. And he's asked you to, to serve him in that capacity. What a wonderful calling that is. And don't, I wish that you, each one of us would never forget that each one of us is no greater than the other. That God has all called us to the exact 
uh, ministries to to the family of God. And every one of you one day is going to be rewarded. That the Lord Jesus is going to reward you. He's going to bring his reward with him. And he's going to say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. May we be found faithful. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. Lord, for showing us, Father, how crucial it is, Lord, to be the kind of elders, Lord, overseers of a church, Lord, that must take care of your sheep, the ones you've allotted, to us. Father, I pray that we might understand that each one of us here, Lord, has been given something or someone to watch over, to care for. Father, I pray that we would do that and that we would do whatever you've called each one of us to do. We won't do it out of compulsion. We won't do it out of trying to get money or any kind of gain but we would do it out of a heart of love and compassion and especially because of our love for you. Thank you, Father, for these truths. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.